If you will, there's a program, inside your program, there's an outline of our Bible study. I'd especially today like to encourage you to take it and follow along with us today because we're going to be talking about how to know that you are saved. You know, one of the worst things that can happen to a person is to live in doubt. Uh, On several occasions, I've had a young lady come to me in my office and say, you know, Brother Marcel, I'm really concerned. I think that my husband is having an affair with somebody down at the office, and I don't know what to do. Living in doubt about the faithfulness of your husband or your wife is a difficult thing to do. Also, that same situation also appears when a person is doubtful about the stability of the job that they have. And that they wonder, well, am I going to have a job next week? Am I going to be let go for one reason or another? And, and if you live in doubt about your situation in work, that it's a difficult thing to live with. And probably the most difficult of all, though, is whether or not one is a Christian. This person wonders, well, now you know, do I really have the right relationship with God? Am I really going to go to heaven if I die? I mean, I'd like to know that and have confidence in that. Well, there is a verse that was written to give us that confidence. And if you have your Bible, we are in 1 John chapter 5, verse 13. And John gave us this message. I write these things to you who believe in the name of the Son of God, so that you may know that you have eternal life. Ah, John said, you know, there's something you need to know. And I have written these things so that you will be able to know that you have eternal life. Let me show you the four key words, I think, that are found in this particular passage. First of all, is the word know. He said, I want you to know that you have eternal life. And that word know means knowledge that was based upon facts. In fact, that was such an important word that 23 times John uses that in this little book so that you and I will be people who have confidence. He said, what I'm talking to you about is not a rumor, it's not a feeling, but it is something that is based on that which is solid so that if somebody asks you, are you saved and are you going to heaven, that you can just say to them, yes, I am, I know I have eternal life. Well, the second key word there is the word written. John said, I have written these things to you. You know, uh, we are uh, changing insurance companies, and there is a man came out to uh, explain to us the new policy that we had. And and as he did, uh, I said, now, what you're telling me, is it down in writing? Because, you know, if you got it down in writing, then you feel pretty confident about it. Sometimes people can tell you things and then they kind of forget them. But if it's down in writing that you have it there. And so John said, what I'm telling you about, I have written it so that you will know that you have eternal life. Over in the book of Luke chapter 10, verse 20, the disciples of Jesus had been given power and they're out and they were casting out demons and they came in and they were pumped up about it. And Jesus said, wait a minute. What you ought to be excited about is this. And that is that you know that your names are written in heaven. That is, as you uh, 
filled out your little uh, paper today about who you are. Did you wrote down that name? Jesus said what you ought to be satisfied about and happy about is that that name is written up in heaven. Over in Hebrews 12, verse 23, the same idea was given when he said, We have come to the assembly of God's firstborn children, whose names are written in heaven. Your name is written in heaven if you're a child of God. And then Revelation 20, verse 15 says, What you ought to be concerned about is, that if your name is not written in the Lamb's book of life, you're cast into the lake of fire. Now, nobody wants to be there. So, John says, I have written this down so that you'll know it. And you ought to know that your name as a child of God is written in the Lamb's book of life. Well, number three, the third word here is important, is the word believe. Everyone who believes that Jesus Christ, he said, is the Son of God. Well, what is belief? Well, belief is the same thing as faith. Belief is that which is always connected with trust and obedience. Here in uh, 1 John chapter 5, at verses 4 and 5, he says, And this is the victory that overcomes the world, even our faith. Whoever, who is it that overcomes the world? Only he who believes that Jesus is the Son of God. Now, if you have that belief, and if you are solid in that belief, he said that you are one who is a child of God. And the fourth word here is the word eternal life. I've written these things, he said to you, so that you may know that you have eternal life. That is, you are confident that you have a life that's just going to go on forever because you are a believer in the Lord Jesus Christ. You're about the uh, young man that came up to his girlfriend and said, uh, Honey, I want you to know that I really love you. Now, I'm not able to buy you a, a fancy Lexus like Jimmy Brown, but I love you. And, and honey, I want you to know that I'm not able to give you a big diamond ring like Jimmy Brown, but, but I love you. And honey, I'm not able to give you a mansion like Jimmy Brown has to live in, but, but I love you. And she said, well, I love you too, but tell me more about this Jimmy Brown. Uh, you and I are, are people who God said, I've got eternal life for you. It's a life that you can count on that you know is going to go on forever. Well, John, what I want to know is, what did you write us? And what did you tell us that gives us hope so that we can know that we have eternal life? And there's three things I want to show you that John gives us. First of all, he says a person who has this hope is one who has been obedient to the commands of God. Let's check together, if we will, 1 John chapter 2, verses 3 through 6. We know that we have come to know Him if we keep His commands. Whoever says, I know Him, but does not do what He commands, is a liar, and the truth is not in that person. But if anyone obeys His word... Love for God is truly made complete in them. This is how we know we are in Him. Whoever claims to live in Him must live as Jesus did. He said, I want to tell you the first thing you know if you're a child of God, and that is that you have obeyed the commands of God. Now, he said, what I want to cite for you here is the example of Jesus. 
You may remember in the Garden of Gethsemane that Jesus prayed. He said, My Father, if it is possible, may this cup be taken from me, yet not as I will, but as you will. That is, Jesus says, Father, I want to do what you want me to do. And your will is what's important. John said, If you know the Lord, and if you keep His commandments, that you are a child of God. Over in the book of Mark, chapter 3, beginning in verse 31, there's an interesting story. Jesus is around teaching and preaching. In fact, He gets so busy that the Word comes, He's not even taking time to eat. And His family gets worried about Him. So Jesus is in a house, and He's teaching, and the house is packed, and His mother and His brothers are outside, and they walk in, and they get a man and say, would you see if Jesus would come out here and tell him that his mother and brothers are out here? And so the man goes inside and he says to Jesus, Lord, your mother and your brothers are outside and they want to see you. And Jesus asked this question. He said, who is my mother and who are my brothers? And then Jesus answers that question by saying this, whoever does God's will is my brother and mother. That's who my family is. My family is not those who physically that I'm related to, but my family are those who are obeying the commands of God and doing the will of God. Or in the book of 2 Thessalonians chapter 1, verse 8, Paul says that the Lord's going to come and He's going to punish those who do not know God and who do not obey the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. So let me ask you this question. Have you obeyed the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ? Have you put your faith in the Lord and confessed your faith in Him and then been baptized into Him? You see, Jesus says what you need to do are to be people who obey the Lord, obey God, even as I have obeyed God. When I was in college down at Abilene Christian a long time ago, uh, one of my favorite teachers was Brother J.W. Roberts. And, and Brother Roberts was a real scholar, but, but he had the ability to make things simple so that even somebody like me could understand them. And he told this story one time in class, and I've never forgotten it. He said that he had gone up to a, a church in Kansas to do a gospel meeting. And when he got up there, the uh, people there who were in charge said, Brother Roberts, there is one family we would especially like for you to talk to. Uh, there is a mother and her daughters, and they come every Sunday to church. They never miss. Uh, the husband and the daddy passed away. But these people have never obeyed the gospel. They've never been baptized. While you're here, would you make a special effort to see them? And he said, I'll just be happy to. So he said one evening after uh, the meeting, uh, this family invited him out to their home. So he went out to their house, and uh, he said, You know, I would like to talk with you all, and I understand that you all have never been baptized, and I'd, I'd like to talk with you about obeying the gospel. They said, Okay. He said, Would you get your Bible out? I'd like for us just to look in your Bible. Let me tell you, if you ever talk to somebody about uh, becoming a Christian, the best thing to do is to ask them for their Bible and let them bring out their Bible so they'll know you don't have some kind of special Bible that you're trying to uh, sell them on and teach them something that they don't have in their Bible. So the lady brought out the Bible, and so Brother Roberts began teaching them. 
And he came to a passage that he wanted to, them to know, and he came to it, and he, he couldn't find that in their Bible. And he said, well, you know, there's a passage right here that I wanted to show you, but, but that page seems like it's missing in your Bible. And the lady said, oh, yeah. Paul didn't like that page, and so he just tore it out. <laughs> Can you imagine somebody doing that? Well, sometimes there are people like that, that they do not want to follow what it is that God wants them to do. But you see, if a person's going to be a saved person, they're going to be one who, to the best of their ability, they're going to obey what it is that God has told them to do. So John says, I've written these things so that you may know that you have eternal life. And one of the ways you can know you have eternal life, and that is if you obey what it is that God has said you are to do to follow Him. Now, while we're here, I want to show you a little passage that it's not really related to our study here today, but it's found in chapter 5, verses 5 through 8. And while we're in 1 John, I wanted to note this passage with you because it's one that sometimes has caused people confusion. 1 John chapter 5, verses 5 through 8. Who is it that overcomes the world? Only the one who believes that Jesus is the Son of God. This is the one who came by water and blood, Jesus Christ. And it is... And it is the Spirit who testifies, because the Spirit is the truth. For there are three that testify, the Spirit, the water, and the blood, and the three are in agreement. Now what in the world was John talking about? He said there are three here that testify, the water, and the blood, and the Spirit. Well, I think what John was talking about here is, the water was the baptism of Jesus. Because it was at His baptism that God said, This is my beloved Son. And it was by blood because of what Jesus shed on the cross. You remember there in John chapter 19 that the uh, soldier took the spear and put it in the side of Jesus, and out came the blood and the water. And thirdly, the one who testifies, he said, is the Spirit. And that is the Spirit of God that says, This is my Son. This is my God. And the Spirit of God came down upon Jesus when He was baptized. So, if you come to that passage and wonder what it means, I wanted you to be aware of what was going on within that passage. Well, number two, the second thing John says is in chapter 5, verses 2 through 3, and that is your attitude toward the commands of God. Listen to what he wrote. This is how we know that we love the children of God, by loving God and carrying out His commands. In fact, this is love to God, to keep His commands, and His commands are not burdensome. Now, he said, not only do you keep the commands of God, but the commands of God, he said, are not burdensome. Now, that word burdensome means something that is heavy and backbreaking. But because you so love God, you do what ask of you, and it's not a hard thing to do. One of my favorite stories in the Old Testament is the story of Jacob and Rachel. Genesis chapter 29, verse 20. Uh, Jacob saw this lady Rachel, and he fell for her. Evidently, the Bible says that she was a beautiful woman, and he wanted to marry her. 
And so he went to her father and said, I'd like to marry your daughter. And this is what he said. You can marry my daughter, but you're going to have to work seven years for me, and I'll then let you marry my daughter. Wow! Seven years? The Bible says this, But it seemed to him like only a few days for the love he had for her. Now, I wonder how many of you men, if you had gone to the uh, father of your bride and asked her father for permission, he'd say, okay, I want you to work with me for seven years. How many would have married the woman that you married? I hope all of you would. But here was uh, a man who said, seven years, man, it'll be a breeze. I'll do it. Won't be hard. And that's what it was that the Lord was talking about here when he says, I want you to know that if you not only obey me, but the commands I give you, they're not going to be burdensome. But they're going to be things you're going to be able to do because you love me and you want to follow what I want you to follow. When we first moved to uh, Amarillo, I had a, a good friend who uh, I had hunted and fished with in Fort Worth before we moved to uh, uh, Amarillo. And he was a fellow that liked to hunt, and he liked to fish, and he also had an airplane. And he liked to fly us places where we would go and fish or hunt. And so we hadn't been here very long, and we had a trip scheduled to go down to Mexico, and he was going to fly up here, pick me up, we were going to fly to Mexico, and we were going to fish. But the only bad problem was he was coming on Sunday, and so it would have to be after second service when I'd preached a couple times, and then we'd go. But we thought that's okay. And uh, on Saturday before he left, I was playing racquetball, and somehow I turned my leg and it hurt. And I mean, it seemed like there was fire going down that thing. I mean, if I tried to bend my leg, I mean, I just could hardly stand the pain. And so somebody said, well, listen, what you need to do is go see a chiropractor. And so they knew a chiropractor, and they arranged. And so Saturday afternoon, I went down and got a treatment of chiropractor. And he said, you're going to need another one. And I said, well, I'm going to be leaving about noon tomorrow. I just don't have time. He said, well, you have two services? I said, yeah. He said, between services, you come down to my office, I'll give you another treatment. I said, okay. And so between the two services, I went down to his office, got another treatment. As far as I could tell, they didn't help a bit. But the fellow landed his plane. My wife took me at the airport, and we took off for Mexico. Now, I tried to get my legs straightened out the best I could, but I couldn't get that thing straightened out to save me. And I mean, my leg just hurting like everything. We landed down in Chihuahua, Mexico to clear customs. And to get out, you had to bend my leg to get out. Oh, man, that hurt. But I went up to the place where you got cleared to customs, cleared customs. We went down, we stayed a week, and I fished. Somebody said, well, did you ever quit? You ever think about not going? No. Man, I wanted to go fishing. And I, and I knew that I had to endure that pain if it was going to go. Now, if what the Lord said is, you know, it may be difficult sometime to do what I want you to do. But I mean, if you love me and you want to serve me and you want to be what I want you to be, then I don't care how you feel, you're going to do it and my commands will not be burdensome for you. So it is that you and I, as people who serve God, not only are obedient to His commands, but His commands are not burdensome to us. Well, number three, the third thing he said is that you're going to love the family of God. 
Listen, if you will, here in 1 John chapter 2, verses 9 through 11. 1 John 2, 9 through 11. Anyone who claims to be in the light but hates his brother or sister is still in the darkness. Anyone who loves his, their brother or sister lives in the light, and there is nothing in them to make them stumble. But anyone who hates a brother or sister is in the darkness and walks around in darkness. They do not do, know what they, where they are going because the darkness has blinded them. Then in chapter 3, verse 16, he says, This is how we know what love is. Jesus Christ laid down His life for us, and we ought to lay down our lives for our brothers and sisters. Ah, how it is that you and I ought to be people who love the family of God. He said, I want to tell you, if you want to know if you're saved or not, are you obeying the commands of God? And are His commands burdensome? And do you love those who are the children of God? Over in John 13, 34 and 35, Jesus says, By this will all men know you're my disciples, if you have love one for another. You see, that's what the real church of Christ is like. It's a church where people really, genuinely love each other. One of the most uh, unusual sights I ever saw were the redwood trees in California. Supposedly, they stand 300 feet tall and are over 200 years old. But the surprising thing is, the redwoods have a very shallow root system. But how did they survive all of the wind and the winters that came? They did so because they, although they have a very shallow root system, they always grow in groves, never alone. And the uh, roots of one intertwines with the roots of another. And so when the wind blows upon one tree, it blows upon all of them. And you know, that's what the church is. When one person rejoices, we all rejoice. And when one suffers and hurts, we all suffer and hurt because we are the body of Christ. And John said, that's how you know if you really are in the family of God. Well, what if you went to your mailbox tomorrow and you saw that there was a letter there from an attorney? And you saw it from Mackie, Mackie, and Johnson attorneys. You wonder, what in the world would they be sending me a, a registered letter about? And you opened it up and you began to read. Dear Mr. Marcier, Samuel Elkins, a man unknown to you, became aware in the closing days of his life of a distant kinship to you. Being a man of royal blood and related to the Prince of Wales, Mr. Elkins passed on leaving an estate of $372 million. This letter is to inform you that Mr. Elkins specified in his will that you are to receive 1% of his estate. Your inheritance amounts to $3,720,000 tax-free. It is legally yours. You may take possession by coming to our office and signing a release form at your earliest convenience. Now, if you had gotten that letter, what is the first thing you would have done in the morning? You would have gone to the attorney's office and signed that letter, right? $3,720,000. I mean, that's a lot of cash, and if it's yours, you would want it. Now, let me tell you, if that's the first thing you would do, if you knew you had that money, 
what is the first thing you would do if you needed to know what you need to be one who would have absolute confidence that you have eternal life? If you absolutely knew that and believed that, the first thing you would do is make sure that you have obeyed the commands of God and that you saw the commands of God, they were not burdensome to you, and you love those who are in the family of God, the church. You see, John said, These things are written to you who believe in the name of Jesus so that you may know that you have eternal life. If you don't know you have eternal life this morning, I want you to make every effort to make sure that you do those things. They're going to make sure you have a place in heaven with our Lord Jesus Christ. You don't have to uh, come in a service to be baptized. You can be baptized anytime. If you just put your faith in Jesus, want to give Him your life, and you want to serve Him with all of your heart. We're going to sing a song of invitation this morning. Maybe there's a way we could be a service to you. Maybe you'd like to come and say, you know, today I'm going to make that decision. I want to give my life to Jesus, and I want to obey the gospel. Maybe you'd like to come today and let us pray for you about a matter. If there's any other way we could be of service to you, I'll be at the front and our elders will be at the back. If we can serve you in any way, why don't you come right now? We just stand and sing our song invitation together. Standing on the promises of Christ my King, through eternal ages let His praises ring. Glory in the highest I will shout and sing, standing on the promises of God. Standing on the promises, standing on the promises, standing on the promises of God, my Savior. Standing on the promises, standing on the promises. I'm standing on the promises of God. Standing on the promises that cannot fail. When the howling storms of doubt and fear assail. By the living word of God I shall prevail Standing on the promises of God Standing on the promises Standing on the promises Standing on the promises of God my Savior Standing on the promises Standing on the promises I'm standing on the promises of God